evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are, the Anarchist World this week. Yep, we cough, don't worry. Bad radio, but sometimes you've got to cough. If I lose my voice during the next hour, don't despair. They tell me there's music around. Not that I know what music is, but uh, we'll sort that out. Now, a few things for anyone Anarchy is all about. It's based on the concept of anarchos without rulers. Not without rules, anarchos without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power. And you share wealth. It's inequalities in power and wealth which create the social, political, institutional structures which allow rulers to rise and use those structures to um, enrich themselves. Very simple concept. So the anarchist struggle is a struggle about devolving power and uh, holding wealth in common. And you devolve power by using direct democratic principles, getting as many people involved in the decision as possible that that decision affects. Very simple concept, not based on representation, but based on delegation, appointing or electing people to coordinate issues at a local, state, federal, even international level. Simple concept, and our costs without rulers. Now, before we get stuck into the program, just a few community announcements. And again, unfortunately, you've got to live in Melbourne you don't have to live in Melbourne because if you've got things happening in the other parts of Australia that I broadcast in, please let me know. You can uh, send the details to anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com, and uh, we'll publicise them. Very simple, very simple. So if you've got uh, activities you're organising in New South Wales or the ACT or the Northern Territory or West Australia or Tasmania or even South Australia or even in Victoria... Just let us know, anarchistageatyahoo.com, and if you haven't got a computer, you can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. My name's Joseph Scar, I'm today's program. Now there's a public housing forum, because public housing is becoming an increasingly important issue in Victoria as well as other parts of Australia. There's a public housing forum at the Seaford Community Hall at Station Street in Seaford, Millways 993, at 224 p.m. Sunday the 23rd of July. That's 2 to 4 p.m. Sunday the 23rd of July. So that's something you could uh, pop along to if uh, you live in Melbourne. It's something you're interested in. Just like to remind you, there's the public interest before corporate interest rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, which will be on the last Wednesday of the month, midday, the last Wednesday of the month. So I think that will actually be next week, which is the last Wednesday of the month. And the Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally, 
which is held monthly again in Victoria, outside the uh, Victorian Parliament House in Spring Street. <laughs> As I told you, bad radio in your cough. It's, uh, it'll be outside the Victorian Parliament House. That's at uh, midday, again, on the uh, first Wednesday of the month, so the first Wednesday in July at midday. That's defending extent <coughs> public housing. Yeah, it sounds disgusting, doesn't it? All right. Now, this um, these are rallies. Also, don't forget that there's a Wednesday evening with yours truly, so if you are find yourself in the city of Melbourne... Although I'm coughing, hopefully it'll stop by then. Uh, 6 p.m. Wednesday, that's the 19th, and Wednesday, the 26th of July. Pop in, 6 p.m., 6 to about 9, 10 p.m. Uh, Ethiopian food, discussion, music, you name it, we do it. So uh, 6 p.m. this evening, that's at 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, which is basically across the road from the uh, Free CR radio station. <coughs> Food freshly prepared, obviously. Freshly prepared. The trouble is when you broadcast, it's a little bit difficult to take your little lollies to stop your uh, coughing, isn't it? Now, are you worried? Are you worried? Now, Malcolm's got a problem. The Conservatives in his party, or the reactionaries, or the, uh, the dinosaurs in his party, don't like him. They do not like him. And he needs to shore up his alliances within the Liberal Party in order to continue to be our Prime Minister. And those of you who scoffed at me about three or four months ago when I said the next Prime Minister of Australia before the next uh, federal election will be Peter Dutton, well, poor old Malcolm is trying to shore up his position by giving Peter a super ministry. And we're told it's all to defend us. Now, I ask myself... Who defends us from the state? Who defends us from the state? Who defends us from state power? How do you maintain what few liberties and rights you still have in law when you're governed by a constitution which has nothing in that constitutional framework which protects our inherent rights and liberties? So who defends us from the state? And this is a perennial question that's been asked in Australia for a long, long time. And it was quite interesting that when Malcolm, again, your Malcolm, my Malcolm, our Prime Minister, raised this issue in the public, that he was flanked by all these people in masks and gas masks and dark glasses. And I'm thinking to myself, are we seeing the politicisation of the military? I mean, the military is a distinct arm of government. And historically in Australia, when a Prime Minister addresses the people, he or she is not flanked by the military. Now, obviously, there are some security issues in this country, and nobody's denying that. But forming a ministry which gives one minister extraordinary powers over each and every one of us, is really not the way to address these issues regarding security. Because the whole purpose of ASIO, the Australian Security Intelligence Organisation, being under the tutelage 
of the Attorney General, the uh, nation's primary lawmaker, was done was to ensure that people's rights and liberties were protected and if Asia went beyond its bailiwick, that the Attorney General could actually investigate them and uh, pull them up. But when you put Asia and the Federal Police into a super ministry, which is supposedly there to protect our security, you begin to realise that the judicial oversight that's necessary in order to protect people's rights and liberties is not there. And the problem is particularly acute in Australia because in Australia we have a constitutional framework which ensures that the only rights we have are those rights which are determined by Parliament, not by constitutional arraignments, because there's nothing in the Australian Constitution which protects your right to freedom of speech, your right to freely assemble, your right to freely associate. And that's why legislation can be passed in Parliament which removes the right of trade unionists to freely associate, removes a worker's right to strike. And the list goes on and on because there are no constitutional protections in the Australian Constitution for the individual. So how do we protect ourselves from the arbitrary exercise of state power when there's no constitutional protections. And the only way is through parliamentary legislation. And when you've got a a prime minister who is willing to put all these organisations into one super ministry in order to maintain his prime ministership by outflanking his main rival in the Liberal Party for the prime ministership, Peter Dutton, you begin to realise how dangerous the situation can become and it can become dangerous very quickly exceptionally quickly and anybody who uh, has been involved in the asylum seeker struggle will tell you how easy it is to pass legislation which basically criminalises people for uh, for, uh, seeking asylum extraordinary situation when you think about it an extraordinary situation, an extraordinary situation. So take it with a grain of salt. I mean, this super ministry really has nothing to do with public security, everything to do with uh, Malcolm Turnbull's tenure in the lodge because I think he's got used to the lodge. But that's what it's about. It's about Malcolm's tenure in the lodge and for that we lose, we lose the ability to keep a little bit, a little bit of uh, control over security agencies. And if you think it doesn't affect you, look at all what's happening to uh, all these uh, motorcycle groups in Australia over the last two decades, where more and more laws have been passed uh, which criminalise the activities of people who uh, have got no criminal convictions. I mean, quite draconian legislation passed at the state level uh, in states around this uh, this country in terms of the freedom of association for people. 
Now, I'm not jumping up and down and saying, you know, motorcycle gangs are nice people. But I am saying that if there are no constitutional protections to freedom of association, no constitutional protections to freedom of speech, no constitutional protections, you really have to uh, wonder how far this government is willing to go and how many rights and liberties are they willing to put asunder in order for them as a government to uh, continue to uh, flex their muscle. Mr The Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. All right, let's move into a little bit more mundane areas of life, you know, like paying bills, you know, the mundane things, paying your electricity bills, listening to debate. So, see, see, Malcolm is moving on a number of fronts because, obviously, he needs to, one, get the Murdoch media behind him because the Murdoch media has basically been destabilising Turnbull over the last uh, 12 months because they'd like to see people like Dutton as Prime Minister because they would love to see that conservative reactionary agenda which uh, they support. And we've just seen in the last 24 hours, $30 million of uh, taxpayers' money been given to Foxtel, of all organisations, to broadcast uh, women's sport. Now, why wouldn't you give $30 million to the free-to-air ABC, Australian Broadcasting Corporation, if you want the Australian people, to access female sport? I mean, Foxtel, you've got to pay for it. So obviously... There are a lot of people who are not going to uh, tune into Foxtel. And to me, it just seems like a bribe. Oh, here, Malcolm. Here, Malcolm says, here, Rupert, here's 30 million bucks. You know, you enjoy yourself. Just make sure that when the next election rolls by that uh, you say very nice things about me because I'm a very nice person. You know, you need to say all these nice things about me. It is quite extraordinary, really, that the, the amount of power a Prime Minister has in the so-called democratic society where doesn't have to go to cabinet to declare war, doesn't have to go to cabinet to create a super ministry, doesn't have to, doesn't have to go to uh, cabinet to pick the Governor-General, the list goes on and on. Extraordinary amount of power which is in the hands of a Prime Minister. But let's move on. Let's move on to more interesting topics. Now, you may have noticed in the last uh, week or two that everybody's been talking about housing. We've got the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the government guild at ABC, and even the private uh, media talking about housing. And not one, not one of these uh, august organisations seems to talk about public housing. It's as if public housing has disappeared off the political spectrum, as if public housing no longer exists, and most likely it doesn't exist as far as many states are concerned in this Federation of Australia. Public housing. It's an important component. It's been an important component of uh, housing. And everybody talks about, well, 
How do we get people back in the housing market? How do we provide secure housing to people? We can do this and we can do that and we can, you know, fiddle with negative gearing and we can, you know, do first-time buyers' grants. But the reality is that housing has become a significant issue because there is no longer a public housing sector to act as competition for the private housing sector. So as we saw with the four big banks, when the Commonwealth Bank was privatised over two decades ago, we saw them introduce a whole new uh, whole new array of fees and charges in order to augment their profits. And as they were all in, the, in this together, they are all in the private domain, we found that the differences between the major banks was minimal, cosmetic at best. But while the Commonwealth Bank was in public hands, it acted as competition. I mean, that's what a mixed economy is. A mixed economy is when you've got competition between the private and the, private and the public sector. That's what competition is about. So now in the public housing sector, because it's been run down, because no money's been invested in the public housing sector, because the management and ownership has been transferred to the social and community housing sector, which is basically private organisations, we're finding that the private housing sector basically (coughs) is basically doing what it likes. It basically does what it likes. And in terms of competition, it doesn't exist. So the best way to overcome the current housing crisis and to provide people secure housing is to extend not close down, but extend the public housing sector and make it available not just to people who need urgent accommodation, but make it available to people whose income doesn't allow them to get into the private housing market who need to rent. Because the bigger the public housing sector, the more the downward pressure on the private housing sector, the decrease in rents and decrease in uh, in prices. It's, it's a simple concept, but that's the problem. What happens in 21st century Australia is that concepts which have been useful in the past have been overthrown for ideological reasons. Ideological reasons. That's why they've been overthrown, for ideological reasons. So concepts like having a strong public sector has been white-ant and overturned over the last four decades during the privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, deregulation, revolution. So when we look at things in terms of the 
the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC and government policy, it's always within that private framework. Always within that private framework. So when you look for solutions, you look for solutions within that private framework. And what that means is ideas that have been found to be useful and productive in the past have been pushed aside. And there is no debate, no community debate regarding those ideas. It's just quite extraordinary that we have a debate about housing and the concept of public housing isn't central to that debate that everybody whose opinion is asked in the corporate owned media and the government guild at ABC are people in the private sector or the community and social housing sector which again is the private sector people in the private sector they're the only ones whose opinion is ever, is, is, is ever sought and other opinions are ignored, totally ignored. So no wonder less than 25 million people living on a continent has so much trouble dealing with problems which could be solved tomorrow. I mean, it is midwinter. I mean, I may, I may be coughing and carrying on today, but I've got a roof over my head. Now, there are people in every CBD in this, in this country and regional towns who haven't got a roof over their head who are going to have trouble surviving midwinter. <coughs> not because we're not a rich country, but because we never seem to be able to get our act together to resolve issues that need to be resolved. I mean, homelessness is a major issue. Having to spend 40 to 50% of your income to pay a mortgage or rent is a major issue. There is nothing to prevent us as a society from solving homelessness tomorrow. But the problem is, we again wash our hands of the state governments, local governments and federal government, wash its hands of their responsibility to deal with the homeless crisis and put it in the hands of private operators. Private operators who receive government grants to deal with homelessness, in inverted commas, on behalf of the Australian people. And most of that money doesn't go into rehousing people because they've got no access to public housing. Most of that money goes into creating and sustaining structures which have been, which have evolved in the so-called homeless industry. Now, if you want to deal with people's problems, 
with their drug addiction, mental health issues, issues which force them to be homeless, the first thing you need to do is house them. Once you house them, then you can address those issues. And if there's no public housing, well, not the private sector is not going to house these people. So if we look for private solutions instead of public solutions for these important problems, change never occurs. It never seems to occur. It never seems to occur. And it's the same story in every other facet of human existence in this country. Every other facet of human existence is about putting the interests of private corporations before the interests of the public, putting the interests of the few before the interests of the many, trying to manipulate the system to become re-elected on a platform which promises nothing and delivers nothing, which actually plays on our fears. I mean, this is what the super ministry is all about, <clears throat> playing on our fears, giving the government more control over us, but offering very little in return in terms of security. This is the Atticus Wall this week, broadcast across Australian Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. So you've got this divide, and it's a growing divide. And the chasm is getting bigger and bigger, not smaller. And every time we try to tackle our social issue, we put it in the hands of a private provider. Not realising that 40 cents in every dollar goes into the pocket of that private provider. So every dollar that the Australian taxpayer pays... 40 cents just goes ka-ching, gone before it starts. For example, it costs the Australian taxpayer $1 billion per year. That's $1,000 million. $1 billion per year to keep 3,000 asylum seekers in detention at Nauru and Manus Island. Think about it. For that price, you could get them a penthouse in the Hilton. $1 billion per year. And the reason it's so expensive, and I'm not even talking about the morality of holding people, you know, in in detention... with the vicious crime of seeking asylum, but $1 billion per year for 3,000 people, many of them living in tents, in third world conditions, where's that money going? It goes to the private providers which keep these camps running. It goes to the private providers. It goes to these corporations 
who make a buck, you know, from helping the government detain people. I mean, this problem of the asylum seekers could have been resolved years ago. But it isn't. We just put it in the hands of private providers. Think about it. (coughs) Who has the largest work network in Australia? The Salvation Army, courtesy of the Australian taxpayer. Who delivers so-called assistance to people on social security benefits? Privately owned, privately run organisations which need to maintain their own infrastructure. And so what we see is a huge huge investment in the private sector to provide services to the public sector. And we're told, well, it's much more, um, you know, it's, you know, the public sector is wasteful. Well, how could it be wasteful when 40 cents in every dollar goes in profits or administration costs, how could it be wasteful? Think about it. That's a large reason why nothing ever seems to be happen. It never seems to happen. For example, private schools, public schools. We now have a system of finance in this country which not only bankrolls private schools but actually gives more money to private schools than public schools. I mean, if you want to send your kid to a private school, good luck, but you pay for the privilege of sending it to a private school. And when we saw these few changes, which have been uh, going to be uh, introduced in the next few m- months, it was as if the world had come to an end for the private uh, Catholic education sector. I mean, why should we be bankrolling private institutions? Why should we be giving billions of dollars to private corporations to increase their profits to their major shareholders? Why should we be giving money away to the Murdochs of the world? Just extraordinary when you think about it. Extraordinary. But that's what happens when you allow the private sector to dominate every aspect of our existence. That's what happens. You find that the interests of the many, that's the public, 
always takes second precedence over the interests of the few. Constantly. And what we see in this country over the past 40 years during the privatisation, deregulation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution is the wholesale pillaging of the public purse for the private's private good. Wholesale pillaging of the private purse. It's just extraordinary. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, the community of radio network. Well, let's talk about Uber. You're all excited, aren't you? You can have your little drink of water. Now, organisations like Uber and all these other organisations which like to think of themselves as the new technology, who use technology in order to, you know, uh, disrupt systems that are in place, like to think of themselves as heroes like to think they're doing the good for their uh, workers and the public. <coughs> unpleasant, isn't it, when you're sick? Very unpleasant. But the reality is, I mean, these are just old-fashioned, 19th century capitalist enterprises who exploit the labour of the people they contract, they don't employ them, they contract, and who give very little back to the public. It's very simple. It's nothing new. It's about using technology to exploit people. Nothing new about using technology to exploit people. There's nothing magic about using technology to exploit people. There's nothing magic about using technology to exploit workers and customers. There's nothing magic about that. It's just plain wrong. Nothing magic about it. Nothing magic of creating deunionized or ununionized um, industries full of private contractors who don't get holiday pay, who are not protected, who don't... We don't get sick pay. There's nothing magic about that. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing magic about that. These aren't these great new competitive industries we're told about. They're just based old-fashioned rip-off merchants. They're everywhere. They rip off the workers who they are employers, contractors. They rip off the people they give services to and they rip off the taxpayer because we don't see much of it coming back. So no wonder, no wonder there are so many people, you know, at the end of uh, the time of working with these organisations who find themselves exploited and burnt off 
It's just extraordinary. And what's even more extraordinary is that governments really don't have the will to regulate these industries, to protect workers and the public. Nothing like dead air on radio, is there? All right, listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, a few more community announcements. Um, in Melbourne, there's the Anarchist uh, Book Fair, which will be held at the Brunswick Town Hall in Sydney Road from 10am uh, to 6pm on Saturday, the 12th of August. That's always a good uh, good day. If people can get along to that, always a, a useful day. Uh, you know, you know, speak to people with uh, different ideas and uh, see the type of things they're involved in. Now, look, it's very easy for me to cough away here and uh, complain. And I don't want you to think of me as a cringing, complaining consumer because uh, I uh, detest cringing, complaining consumers. You know, detest them. Nothing worse than a cringing, complaining consumer. So what are we going to do about it? What are you and I going to do about this? Are we going to cough our way to to the coffin? Or are we going to look at different ways of countering what is out there? And it can be very difficult. It can be exceptionally difficult, especially... When the ideas that you've been proposing have been shunted aside and ignored and somehow don't seem to be um, deemed of analysis, let alone discussion, well, they don't form within the capitalist framework. So somehow they are not only irrelevant, they're not even accessed. So the first thing you need to do is you need to, you know, you need to be able to articulate these ideas. You need to be able to talk to the people around you. You need to be able to spread these ideas because you're not going to be able to spread these ideas through the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC because they're not interested. That's the first thing. Just opening your mouth at your bingo hall or in your sporting club, or whatever, is one way forward. I mean, people tend to keep their mouths shut. (coughs) They need to open their mouths, not keep them shut. So you need to open your mouth. You need to talk about these ideas. You need to share them. That's one thing we can all do one thing we can all do it's a very simple thing (coughs) it's a very simple thing to articulate ideas the next thing is well there are always things happening you may not believe it but there are things happening all the time now you may not agree 100% with what's happening or what people have organised or what they're saying. But at least there are people out there who are doing things. 
So it's important to be able to get involved in these campaigns. I mean, there are issue-orientated campaigns and there are generalised campaigns. It's important that you become involved in these campaigns. I mean, you can sit at home for the rest of your life and wait for things to change. Apart from maybe coughing yourself to death like I am today, it's not going to do much sitting at home. Look, I could have sat at home today and not come in. But I decided to come in because I felt it was important to come in. And what I'm saying is important is it's important to participate. It is important to participate. It is it's not just about complaining, it's about participate. <coughs> it's about <coughs> trying to change things by working together with other people to make a difference. Because we're told constantly that it doesn't really matter what you think or what you say or what you get organised in. These decisions are outside your hands. Well, they're not outside your hands. Because ultimate political authority in a democratic society rests in the hands of the people. It doesn't rest in Dutton's super ministry. It doesn't rest in the government of the day. It doesn't rest in the state. It doesn't rest in the bureaucracy. And it doesn't rest in the hands of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. In a democratic society, ultimate political power rests in the hands of the people. And that power will never be exercised while we as a group continue to not participate. Because that's the beauty of parliamentary democracy. Every three years you cast a ballot and then you wait for another three years to cast a ballot and during that intervening period you abrogate your responsibilities as a citizen and leave it up to the government of the day to sort out the problems of the day. And we see where that attitude leads to. It basically leads to paralysis and a culture of where change becomes impossible. Even the most minimal change becomes impossible because of the domination of every aspect of our lives by people and ideas which tend to centralise power and tend to ensure those who have wealth create wealth and, more importantly, keep that wealth in their hands. Now, we do have... So, as I said, talking is important. Participating is important. I mean, they may sound little things to do, but they're important. Helping people who are doing these things financially to assist their campaign is important. Because living in a capitalist society, we need the resources in order to push these campaigns along. And it's important that we have these resources to maintain these campaigns. So these are very small ways in which you can help. And obviously, obviously, sooner or later, 
we need to be able to mobilise people in the streets. Because nothing has changed in terms of politics, in terms of political change. Nothing has changed. Except that we've been lulled into a false sense of security by the World Wide Web, thinking that knowledge is power. Knowledge isn't power. Knowledge isn't power. People think knowledge is power, but it's not power. (coughs) Power doesn't lie in the hands of the knowledgeable. You could know everything about an issue, but knowing things about an issue is not going to change things unless you start becoming active around that issue. That's how things change. Knowledge is important, but it's not power. Power rests in the hands of those people who make decisions regarding our society, who make decisions about how problems are faced, who make decisions about the way we live. That's what power is. And knowing about how these decisions are made gives you no power. At the end, it makes you even, if you do nothing about it, it makes you depressed and cynical. And cynicism is an aphrodisiac for the ruling classes. Because once you become cynical and you f- lose hope, the love child desire and expectation, that desire for change and that expectation that change will occur, then you find yourself in a situation where you are ineffective in terms of promoting change. So the first thing is you need to be able to articulate ideas which don't fall within this framework that we're asked to debate and think about issues. You need to think outside the box. For example, in the housing struggle, it's not about what can we do for the private sector to ensure they continue to dominate the housing market and profit from the need of people for shelter, but it's about looking at the public sector and public housing and using creating a mixed economy and using that increase in public housing to change things. It's the same with private education. Same idea. It's the same with parliamentary democracy. How can we change representative democracy? Representative democracy is in a crisis. Not just in Australia, but everywhere. It's at crisis point. And it's, it, it is at crisis point because it does not represent the people. I mean, the whole concept of parliamentary democracy is that you elect a representative who then makes decisions on your behalf for a fixed period of time, whether it's three or four years. But the dilemma is that representative 
is not directly responsible to the people who have elected them. That representative, that representative's future is intrinsically intertwined with their membership of a particular political party which pre-selects them for a particular seat. So they all tend to vote in the same way because of that party's ideological position. So representatives are not representatives. They're basically representatives, not of the people, but representatives of the political party which acts on their behalf. So we've got to look at expanding the concept of democracy because the concept of democracy is rule of the people, by the people, for the people. And the three things which are constant in that definition is the word people. Rule of the people, by the people, for the people. So how do you have rule of the people, by the people, for the people? And why are anarchists interested or see this struggle as central to what anarchism is about? Anarchism is about creating a society without rulers, not without rules. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power. You create a society which is based on the idea of, you know, rule of the people, by the people, for the people. So the kind of the of the people we have now is a representative system, which is not of the people. Of the people is a direct democratic system. When you make a decision about particular issues and then delegate individuals to coordinate those decisions at a wider level, that's of the people. Democracy, rule of the people, by the people. And that's where the direct democratic framework comes in. By the people. For the people. How do you make decisions of the people, by the people, for the people, unless wealth is held in common? If wealth is held in the hands of private individuals, let's not forget less than 10 people on planet Earth in 2017 owned more wealth than the poorest 50%, the poorest 3.5 billion people. So you've got 10 people on planet Earth who have more wealth than 3.5 million people. So how can you make decisions of the people, by the people, for the people, if you don't actually have access to the commonwealth and are able to use that commonwealth to look after the interests of the many before the interests of the few. So we are dominated by an economic and political system which is not of the people, which is not for the people, and it's not by the people. It's just an extraordinary situation we find ourselves in. And we think that what we have is some type of democratic framework when in reality what we have is a representative system which works against the needs and desires of the many. It works against that. Now, if you had a society, which is a democracy, of the people, by the people, for the people, then you wouldn't have unemployment, you wouldn't have extreme poverty, you wouldn't have many of the problems which we face today, which we try to resolve by 
giving the private sector power, allowing them their needs to dominate the parliamentary agenda. You wouldn't get that. And that's why we as individuals need to become involved in political action and we need to come together as individuals to change things. Because if we don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. Because ultimately, we are the people we've been waiting for. Because we've been waiting for too many people over the last few centuries to do the right thing by us. And they never do the right thing by us because the institutional structures which are there are designed in such a way as to ensure the interests of the few continue to dominate the political, social and cultural agenda. You've been listening to The Atticus World this week. A truncated version today has been coughing and spluttering all over you. So uh, the good thing is uh, you won't get any germs unless they travel down the microphone, out through your little listening implement. So don't blame me if something happens. So I, did make a, I had to make a choice this morning. Do I come in or do we have music? Now, I decided to come in because change is possible. I will be going ahead with the uh, dinner tonight. Conjo Ethiopian restaurant, 20 Smith Street. <coughs> Pop in in Collingwood. And remember, stop being <coughs> a cringing carping consumer and become an active citizen with rights, responsibilities and power. <coughs> As I said... Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio, Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is uh, podcast on 3cr.org.au. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can join public interest before corporate interests by going to their website, downloading the application form, pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, you can ring me on 0439 395 489 for some application forms. You can go to the activities which we've talked about. But more importantly of all, you can start doing things in your corner of the earth because it's people like us who are the canaries in the cage. We change the future. And it's those who seize the day who change the future. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week. Broadcast on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week, cough-free next week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds oh!